episode 100, How to Create More Joy. My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful, but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I used my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I want to share the same tools and strategies which help transform my life with you. So you can live life amplified. Joseph Campbell once said, find a place inside where there's joy and the joy will burn out the pain. Thousands of quotes on joy all over the internet, but that one really resonated most deeply for me, given the times that we live in. And uh, we're gonna give you my best strategies today to help you create joy in the age of COVID-19 and really to create joy anytime in your life. It's why you and I are here is for the joy of living. Hello and welcome back everybody to Life Amplified, a milestone episode 100. Hard to believe that we've reached that point. When I started this all out, all it was going to be was an 8 to 10 episode series and I never thought it would have life before that. But you've been here with me since the beginning. I appreciate that. For those of you who have just found the podcast recently, welcome, and it is an honor to serve you. Uh, I want to jump into our listener of the week. This is from Mariana. She says, I have to say, after a week of listening to your podcast, I'm going backwards in the timeline with them. I felt like you were personally speaking to me in many of them. I'm really taking your messages to heart and to mind and making significant changes and how I think and speak. Wow, great content. And I've already shared one episode with my brother and your website and podcast with my friend. She's blown away by them too. I listened to the one about having an eight-year-old running my life and that was a tough one, but it made a lot of sense. I'm enjoying my progress and really taking stock of what you were saying. Great content. I'm so glad to have found you and so grateful for what you went through, as hard as it was, because you're literally changing people's lives with your words. Thank you so much, Mariana. That is beautiful and totally made my day. And I've shared so many of the experiences that I've been through in my life, but I do it because I want you to remember that it's often our biggest pain that we've gone through that leads us to our greatest purpose. So we're gonna keep the episodes going. And a quick housekeeping note, something that I thought would be really cool for the 100 episode anniversary, and you know, things have been a little crazy right now, so we couldn't pull this together in time for this episode. But I was thinking of uh, taking a few listeners who were interested and coaching you for free on a group Zoom call. And what we would do is we would record it and use some of the most meaningful coaching tidbits as a future podcast episode. So if you would like to get some free laser coaching from me and you don't mind us sharing that content on the podcast, we will disguise your name. We will protect your identity. Uh, You can email me, dan at creativesoulcoaching.net, or you can just DM me on Instagram at CSC Dan Mason. Let me know if you're interested. That's a project that we're going to be working on in the next week or two. So you've heard me talk on the podcast before about the book, The Five Regrets of the Dying by Bronnie Ware. She was a palliative care nurse in Australia who spent a decade plus of her life sitting with people in their final moments before they crossed over. And as she had these conversations with dying patients, she noticed that there were five themes that people regret when they're taking those last breaths. And one of the things that she shares in the book is that When people are dying, 
they all wish they had let themselves be happier. It seems like it's not until those final moments that we really understand. I think we get it intellectually, but we wait until it's too late to integrate it and truly feel into the fact that happiness is a choice moment by moment. In the book, Brawny Ware writes, Fear of change had them pretending to others and to selves they were content, when deep within they longed to laugh properly and have silliness in their life again. You know, it's so interesting to me that we talk about, you know, high performance and we talk about planning and winning the day and setting intentions and setting goals and creating action steps for our biggest goals. And, you know, we plan what we want to do in our career. We plan how we're going to manage our house. We plan what we're going to have for lunch or dinner. We will meal prep on Sundays an entire week's worth of meals. You know, there are many people who do that and not once does it occur to us to plan for joy in our lives. We don't plan in to have moments of happiness. And I've been guilty of this in the past when I notice my life is getting off track. It's because I'm so busy in the achieving and in the to-dos that I forget to have fun in the process. And this is such a personally important topic to me about cultivating joy because as I've shared with you, depression and anxiety has been something that's really held me back at points in my life. You know, from being at rock bottom in 2012 where I was in suicidal ideation to even reaching extreme highs in my coaching career in business, but finding real moments of sadness despite the external success. You know, because there's still a part of me where that wounded inner child comes out and the loneliness and the isolation and and the fear of not being enough sets in. So this is something I continue to actively practice in my life. And I wanted to share with you not just strategies to build in happiness, but to also have a deeper level conversation about some of the subconscious patterns that really hold us back from doing this. On last week's episode, I was talking about the six-day free coaching summit that I was doing uh, just as a public service to help people create a path forward in the age of COVID-19. And one of the calls that we did this morning was all about cultivating joy. And I had the privilege to do some laser coaching with some of the members of this program. And you could see and hear there are these patterns that just get established in childhood and continue to show up that keep us focused on providing joy to other people, that keep us from playing small because we're afraid good times won't last. We're going to get into some of that today to give you a better perspective. So my intention today is that we do a micro conversation about just some basic strategies to help you actively plan for joy in your life, but also a macro discussion on why you might be resistant to implementing any of this. Knowledge is never the problem. Basically, everything about self-development that needs to be said has been written in books long before me. You can go all the way back to the Sermon on the Mount. It's all pretty much there, right? About what we need to do to live an amplified, happy, fulfilled life. Knowledge isn't the problem. It's implementation, and implementation is blocked only because of our subconscious beliefs we have about what is possible. So let's dive in. The first thing I wanted to discuss today is that there really are two kinds of joy that we can experience. Number one is the joy we feel when something happens. Uh, If you follow me on Instagram and my stories, you know I get out two or three times a day to take my dog on a walk. And all the local parks near me in San Diego are padlocked. They're shut down. And my dog is most in joy when he can go chase a stick off leash in a park 
and be chased by other dogs. And the poor guy, like, it's just not something that we can do right now. And he has resorted because they've been doing a lot of trimming on the trees up and down the street where I live with these big banyan trees. And he is just picking up these huge branches that are bigger than him and just carrying them in his mouth on the walk, you know, just wagging his tail. For him, that is when he is in joy. And watching him so happy to have a reasonable facsimile of a stick to have access to, it makes me happy. When I watch him, I'm great. For you, it might be something where your kid says, something adorable and you feel so much joy because of it. We feel joy when we get a promotion, when we get a pay raise, when the stimulus check comes in. We feel joy when we surround ourselves with positive, caring, outgoing people. But here is the thing. If you're waiting for joyful things to show up in your life, if that's the only way you know how to feel joy is to react to the outside circumstances, eventually there will come a day when life will become joyless. You can't just go through the day hoping something happens that will make you feel good. You know, I've heard Brendan Burchard use this analogy before that we probably discussed on the podcast. He always talks about a power plant, that a power plant does not have energy. It generates and transmits energy. And, you know, he uses that as an analogy for the human experience. It's us. It's not that we just have joy. We have to actively cultivate and generate it and transmit it out to the world. How you choose to do that is up to you. But here are a few strategies that I've been implementing in my life and I've been teaching in my Path Forward Summit this week. Number one, this is just part of my journaling practice every morning when I set intentions. I ask myself, what can I do today that will help me celebrate the day and create fun and joy? This morning, I mean, all the beaches are shut down around me and the boardwalk area is taped off. But on weekdays, I know that I can slip out there in the morning when nobody's around and just kind of sit out there with my dog and take in the ocean and and watch the sunrise. That's what I planned on today to bring me joy. Other days, I have literally just put on some music that I like. I have had dance parties in my boxer shorts in the living room. Thank God. There is no video footage of that, that this is not a video podcast. You do not want to watch that mess, but just something to move my body. I mean, a lot of our energy is based on our physiology. We feel better when we are moving our body. But these are things I actively plan for, and I set the intention every day in my journaling to think of one thing that I can do to bring me joy. So it might be something I do alone. It might be scheduling a FaceTime date with a friend, but you have to cultivate it. And here's the second thing. If you're struggling to think of what you could do to feel joy, if you're really just in a rut watching the news, something that you could consider is the second question here, which is who can I give joy to? How can I make someone else's day today? You know, I walked down to my local little coffee shop that I've been going to every day just to support like some of the local small businesses around me. And I took the dog and I got my matcha latte with almond milk, which is my go-to drink in the morning. And there was a homeless man outside and I bought him a blueberry muffin so that he could have some breakfast. And, you know, that was just a random act of kindness for me. But a lot of times it's sending a fun text, a funny meme. I've really been leaning on my sense of humor (laughs) through a lot of this. I think we all need to keep a sense of humor through this crisis. So if it's sharing funny memes uh, with a friend, I'll do that. But think of how you could surprise someone else today. 
give them a word of encouragement. You know, I love seeing so many entrepreneurs and successful people. Uh, Bill Pulte comes to mind on Twitter who are literally just sending cash via Venmo and Cash App to people who are struggling right now to pay the bills. You know, he's just giving $150 to a family and saying, here you go. Go buy, go buy your family some groceries. In some cases, it's $2,000 for rent. But, you know, just providing joy to other people. And the thing is, when we are doing something kind for someone else, they're going to get a dopamine hit. There's that chemical rush. The feel-good hormones get released into their system. But when you're doing something nice for someone else, you get the same level of of chemical hit. And one of the reasons I love following Bill Pulte on Twitter is people who witness acts of kindness get the same level of a dopamine hit as the person is either giving or on the receiving end. So it works all the way around. It's just like a win for everybody. So think about that today. Number two this is just who can you give joy to? Number three, something I talked about recently with producer Matt. He's been doing a, a live stream little TV show from his Facebook page called the Stay at Home Show, where he's interviewing people uh, from their houses during the coronavirus to see how they're adjusting. But we talked about this idea of writing notes of appreciation, two of them a day if you can. And here's the thing, the notes of appreciation can be to yourself. How have you been showing up right now? Keeping the house running, raising your kids, teleworking from home, doing all the things, Clorox wiping and hand sanitizing the, the door handles in the kitchen and bathroom faucets. You're juggling more than ever right now if you stop to appreciate yourself. Sometimes I just write little post-it notes to myself and stick it on the computer when I know that I've really shown up for either my clients or myself or my purpose. I acknowledge that. In fact, you know, while I've been in the middle of doing this six-day coaching summit online, those calls start for me at 6 a.m. on the West Coast, which means I'm up at 4 which is earlier than I would normally prefer to get up, but I'm doing it with joy and I'm just doing it with an excitement to serve. So I honor myself for that. But I'm also writing just texts and Facebook messages and random notes of appreciation to friends to let them know what they mean to me. It's something that you can begin to apply to your life. And really one other strategy that I would suggest is planning ahead for joy. What are you looking forward to when all this is over? How can you build in, like, what is that thing you want to do? Do you want to go to Disney with the family once we're able to stop socially distancing and it's safe? Are you going to be joyous because sports will be played again? Or maybe you can play sports with your friends that you're going to be able to get together and have dinner parties. Find two things in your life that you're going to plan and commit to as soon as the world reopens and that we can get back to a sense of normalcy. Because the thing is, is when you're meditating on that and you're picturing it and you're visualizing it, they've done brain research on this, that you literally feel as good in the moment in anticipation of it, the same level of excitement, you'll feel as good when you're thinking about it as you do when you actually experience it. In fact, this is the double-edged sword of visualization. You know, there's a lot of things when we talk about manifestation, about visualizing you living your best life and having the money or the dream house or the job or the freedom to work from home. And the problem is, is a lot of people, their brain get so excited, they trick themselves into thinking that the goal has already been accomplished, so then they don't actually take action after the visualization. 
So it's a double-edged sword. It can keep you stuck, but this is something that we are committing to. You're going to put it in writing, share it with the people that you want to have the experience with for the road trip or the vacation. I've got two friends that I haven't seen in years, and we have already planned in, in hopefully August and September to get together and to be able to hang out and catch up. There was no drama, but we just fell out of touch just because. So excited to visit with these people and have them back in my life. And don't forget, as much as we talk about the dangers of the smartphone and how it can be a tool of distraction, it can also be a tool of inspiration for you right now. You know, one of the great things is, you know, most of us on our phone have like thousands of pictures from over the years that we've saved. You can go back and scroll through those and remember the good times. It was funny, I had a friend who was here last May who came to visit, and uh, she and I went on this obnoxious trip, drove up the coast in Northern California to a uh, a gem mine, because she makes a lot of jewelry, and you can go pay to like excavate your own gems out of these big dirt piles. And it was kind of a scam, quite obviously, because the dudes who ran this place took all the really nice pieces out that they could sell themselves, so you're pretty much just left with the crap. So we, you know, we were digging through all of these piles of of dirt and it'd be like oh my god i think i found something what is this and then you're like oh wait this is just asphalt <laughs> it's nothing valuable at all and it was so stupid but it was a funny memory and she was scrolling through her phone and found some of the pictures that we took on that trip last may and it just led her to check in and we hadn't talked in months but we could relive that and it was smiles and laughter and joy and that's the same thing that you could do right now is to just scroll back and enjoy some of the good times that you've already had. Nothing in there that I've given you is groundbreaking. You know, it's not like I've given you some like brand new strategy that's never been discussed before. A lot of them are common sense, but we don't always take the things that are common sense and turn them into our daily practice. And quite honestly, sometimes we avoid feeling joy. That's what's crazy that we can let our patterns get in the way, let the subconscious programming get in the way, and we really move away from joy in our lives. And this is something that came up on a coaching call I did this morning. A couple tricky subconscious patterns that will keep people stuck. Number one, if you're struggling to feel joy, it's because you grew up in a home where you only focused on making other people happy. You know, one of the uh, ladies that I had the opportunity to coach this morning grew up in a house where dad might have drank a little bit too much. He was very angry. The family had to walk on eggshells and make sure that they were doing the right thing, that they were saying the right things. Make sure that you don't piss dad off became the mantra. And when that pattern gets established early in childhood, you start to become more attuned to the needs of others and not even attuned to what your needs are. And yes, there is tremendous joy and making other people happy. I think ultimately there is more joy in giving than in receiving, but so many people because of childhood patterns get stuck in giving and giving and giving without ever taking care of themselves, without even sometimes even knowing what their needs are, and it creates a sense of emotional depletion. 
where you're pouring from the proverbial empty cup. And if this resonates with you, know that I have so much love and empathy for what you went through. It's part of my childhood growing up with a mom who struggled with her own mental illness. My mother looked to her children to be her source of safety. So I never knew. I, I had to be very adaptable when I came home from school because I never knew what I was walking into. And I had to very quickly learn to assess the situation. Who did I need to be in this moment to keep mom above water and to keep her stable. And in all of that, almost being the parent to my parents as a teenager, I started to check out of the things that I needed. So many people are stuck because they think that they're needy for having needs or that they're flat out wrong for having needs. So you're never really in touch with yourself on what you need to do to fill yourself up creatively, spiritually, emotionally. And that is a pattern you've got to get support on. You've got to do the deeper work to reprogram and recode that subconscious pattern that says, I have to take care of everyone else before myself. Because it's only when you're truly taking care of you, filling up your joy tank every day, that you can have the energy long term to take care of the people around you. Number two, how many people do I talk to who are just numb from any emotion? They don't get too excited. They don't get too low. They don't feel anything because there's a variety of different reasons, like at the root cause for living that way. The one that came up on the coaching call I did this morning is when people suffer loss at an early age. If you lose a parent, you know, if you had safe connections and then there was a divorce or a parent just ran out and abandoned the family or in the most extreme cases, maybe you lost a parent who was very close to you. And the subconscious gives that a meaning at an early age to protect you, by the way, because the subconscious role is to anticipate where there's going to be a threat and protect you from it. Make sure you're expecting it so that if it does happen again, it will hurt less. But as we start to numb out and not allow ourselves to feel joy because we're afraid good times won't last, eventually that part of us just hardens and begins to die off. We just exist. We go through the motions. We keep an endless list of deadlines and to-dos, but we're never really experiencing life. But what happens is we're just sort of experiencing life and we never truly live it. A third pattern that gets in the way for people that really blocks them from joy is just if there's a subconscious belief that says you're undeserving or unworthy or unsafe to have long-term joy in your life. You know, I talked to a woman this morning. She's a business owner and she's had multiple careers over the course of her life. She's had enormous success and some of it happened at an early age. But the thing is, is it's been hard for her to sustain the success over the long haul. So she knows that if things fall apart in her business, if the loans don't come through, there's a belief that, well, you know, I'll rise, I'll, I'll come back, I'll figure out something else, I'll flourish. But at the same point, the older she gets, she really doesn't just want to live on the roller coaster anymore. She wants to have sustainable, lasting success. And what we got to today very quickly, and this is somebody who's done, you know, a fair amount of therapy over the course of her life and working with a therapist. But in the span of just a 15 minute laser coaching on the call today, we got to the core belief that is keeping her stuck. And the core belief is I'm incapable of having a successful business. So if you believe at the subconscious level that you're incapable, how could you ever sustain 
material success in the external world. You might get it for a short period of time, but again, the world, the universe is just going to organize around that subconscious belief. The thing I want to remind you of, your subconscious will always win because 96% of our behavior, our thoughts, our actions that we take are imprinted from the subconscious. So you will find ways to sabotage yourself from having the success. And the frustrating thing is, is because it's all happening at the level of subconscious identity, we're never aware that it's happening. It's just literally a psychological blind spot that is buried in a scotoma somewhere in the recesses of the brain. And unless you have a qualified mentor who can help you get to the core of that quickly to identify it, root it out, and shift that energy around, you're going to keep replaying the same situation. Now, this could happen for you in business. It could happen in your relationships, quite honestly honestly. How many people do you know who date the same person in different shoes over and over? How many people do you know who lose the weight and they feel really good, but then they gain it right back? I think back to the episode we did last year with Jim Fortin, who said you will never outperform your subconscious identity. And that's why the coaching work that I do with people is so powerful because we can really start to illuminate and just shine the bat light on all those hidden beliefs that are keeping you stuck. So let's recap. If you're looking to create more joy, you have to consciously cultivate it. Ask yourself what you can do to bring joy to your life each morning. Second thing that you can do is ask yourself, how can I share joy with somebody else? Uh, You also want to get into the habit of writing notes of appreciation for either others or yourself. Doing that on a daily basis, even just a little post-it note that you stick on your mirror. You know, maybe you can start to keep a collection of some of those in the mirror so that they're mental triggers and every time you're brushing your teeth or washing your hands for the 87th time during the day in COVID, you can look up and you can see all the ways that you are taking action and you are a badass. And you can see that you are overcoming really difficult circumstances that none of us have a playbook on how to get through. You know, you're showing up. You can begin to own that. Also, planning joyous events for post-lockdown. Such an important thing right now. Remember, brain science says you can feel as much joy thinking about the future events as you do when you're actually experiencing it. And if none of those strategies are working or you find yourself resistant to actually doing it, know that there is a part of you That inner child that we've talked about before, go back and listen to the episode where I talked about the eight-year-old that runs your life. That inner child is afraid, unsafe, or feels undeserving to have joy. So we talked about a few of those patterns, right? That a lot of times we make other people's joy a priority over our own. That we completely numb out from joy and from feeling any emotion because we feel it's unsafe and that good times can't last. Also, number three, that there is a part of us that just feels unworthy or undeserving of the joy. And I want you to know all that is complete BS. I truly believe that happiness is your birthright. I believe that no matter what you're going through right now, I think of the the person I talked to this morning who was afraid of losing her business, that no matter what challenges you're facing, no matter what you think that you might air quote lose during COVID-19, money, relationships, your job, remember that a temporary no in the external world is always part of a larger yes 
from your higher power. Whatever challenges you're facing right now, they could just be directing you to your purpose. They could be directing you to a greater level of healing. And they, they're really just directing you to a bigger, more abundant, more amplified life on the back end of this crisis. So know that you are supported by the universe and know that I'm here to support you in any way I can. We got 100 episodes for you to binge listen to. You can go back and use all these free materials. And if you're looking for some additional support where you would like some one-on-one coaching to help you create your path forward into more joy, into more purpose, into more abundance and love, I've got you. You can register for private coaching at my website, creativesoulcoaching.net. Thank you so much for spending a half hour with me this week. If this podcast is serving you, could you do me a favor? Screenshot it, upload it to Instagram. You can tag me at CSC Dan Mason. Be sure to share some of your takeaways. You can also join our private Facebook community, the Life Amplified Power Tribe. You can do that at the link in the show notes. Have a wonderful week, my friend. Stay safe. And remember, it's time to turn down the volume on your negativity and turn up the volume on your purpose so you can live life amplified. I'll talk to you next week.